Indeed. What if I had the power to gather all of my favorite MCs with the illest comic book characters and they became arch enemies? Inconceivable, unbelievable, yet as wild as it seems, the Emperor and Stan Lee will coach the two opposing teams. Keep it clean, no bats, no gats, guns, or interference. Comic book characters would go head up with raw lyrics. Now I take whoever might be on break from doing tours and have them sign up for the last Emperor's secret war. Sure, for that kind of capacity, we need a crazy margarina that might stretch from West Philadelphia to East Medina. If I'm able, I'd put it on pay-per-view through my label and give free tickets to my neighborhood bums with no cable. Yeah, that sounds fat. Now that we've squared away the propositions, let's begin with the ultimate tough man competition. Set it off, it's the fight of the century. KRS and Professor X would battle each other mentally with rhymes. These two team captains waste no time. Charles Xavier tried to invade Chris Parker's mind. He shot a cerebral probe at Chris's mind, but he missed it. Professor X taken out by the Blastmaster's metaphysics. Round two, new fight, words of life, you gotta see this. Locked in Mortal Kombat, it's Dr. Strange and the genius. Yeah, son, he's no match. Let that graphic Welcome visit back happen. Welcome to the Watch So Serious Podcast. I am your host, Brandon. Uh, and I got Old Man Way back with me. And you heard the music, so that means we're doing some comic book shit today. What's going on, Old Man? Old Man. Doing really good. Feeling good. Feeling great. Feeling great. Feeling good. How are you? Doing wonderful, doing wonderful. Um, so yeah, we decided that. Uh, well, I kind of wanted to reread the boys because I haven't read it since uh, it first came out. Uh, so I decided to reread the boys to get ready for the show that's coming back um, next month or September actually. Uh, so I reread yeah. the boys and. It was wilder than I even remember. <laughs> and The Boys is one of the old man's favorite comic books. So I was like, no, who's better to talk to about The Boys uh, than him? Uh, and then we'll also get into some little other shit, too, uh, as well. Um, but so tell everybody uh, why you like The Boys so much. Because you were telling me you read it almost once or twice a year, every year since it's been out. So why is it one of your favorite comic book series? Well, to quote a great philosopher, Brandon, uh, Garth Ennis is a crazy person. Um, but what I really loved about this series is the realistic view of what people would be like if they had superpowers. And not just people with powers, but you have the people who are in charge. So you know how corporations are, anything to make a buck, even if it means that there will be collateral damage in between. And it's, it's actually exactly what it would look like. If we take... Um, the person in office right now, can you imagine what he would do if he had someone like Homelander under his thumb? Mm -hmm. Or if we can mm -hmm. go back further for when it started, can you imagine what it would be like if George Bush had Homelander under his thumb after 9-11 happened? Which is funny, it's something they get into, but beyond the actual like point of this, there's more to the story than just that. Beyond all the violence and gore and vulgarity, there's a real life story about finding people, finding love, finding new family, um, learning more about yourself, whether it just be your prejudice or your um, fear of certain cultures, and then coming to terms with how wrong you may be. Um, there's a lot of self-reflection in this. Um, there's a, I don't know if this is the series we'll be talking about it, but Mother's Milk said something about growing up in the hood and how we sometimes look at the homosexual community. And he um, goes, one day you grow up and realize all that uh, stuff you thought really doesn't mean anything. Like all of it was wrong. Mm -hmm. 
Then, and it's funny, is like, I could talk about how much I love this series, but as each story arc goes on, actually, I'll go a step further. With every story, every issue that goes on, I find a new reason to love it. It's almost like Breaking Bad when the first issue, when the first episode of Breaking Bad, you're like, eh, it's cool. But then episode two gets better and episode three gets better. That's how I felt about the boys. And then when you get to the, the last uh, story arc and it hits you with this, with this twist and these cliffhangers and you find out that the people that you thought really aren't who they are and the, how far the corruption really goes up and how like someone on a lower level could be this devious, you're like, holy shit, it's a lot more complex than just um, someone having a thumb shove up their butt. Yeah. Um, I think one thing people should know is that, oh, well, I will say this, um, the boys, as it was written at the time, could not be written today. So for people who haven't read the series, it will be... Um, it will be shocking <laughs> throughout the entire series, the stuff that you see and read and the things that people say throughout the series. It's, it was a product of its time in that sense. But even in that sense, what Ennis is trying to say is mostly the right things about a lot of things, even if he doesn't say it in the way that's how we would say it in 2020. Um, so if you haven't read the book, you got to keep that in mind when you're reading it because it can be jarring. Like I can imagine, like I read it when it first came out and I haven't read it since. Um, and even for me, as somebody who read it before, some of the things were just like, I can't believe they did that, right? So like um, it can be jarring um, to someone who's, you're, if you aren't prepared for that. So if, if you decide to go read the book after listening to this, just be prepared that there's going to be parts in that book that are, you're just like, yo, what? Like, what is going on? Um, but besides that, um, yeah, what are you going to say, old man? Um, one thing I should warn people specifically is if you are a person of color, uh, if you're a member of the LGBTQ community, get ready to uh, read words that may make you uncomfortable. But even with the words that you may say, how dare this uh, white man say this, you're going to have to get past it because there's a reason why he's saying it. Because... If there's a message behind it. Um, I think we're going to get into the hotel with the uh, swing wave yeah. and all that. So that could play. So we can talk about that as it goes on, but I just want to make sure I get that disclaimer out there because even now it's just like, I read it again. It's like, it's uncomfortable, but then I remember what happens in the series and I'm like, oh, they were specifically making a point with all this. Yeah, I mean, the boys is a look into, it's it's kind of a deep dive into the relationship between corporate America and government and then corporate America's impact on everyone's society, right? And celebrity culture, it's kind of a, it's kind of a window into all those things because the, the, the boy, the Vod America, who's essentially the company that if you've seen the show, you know, they're the company that kind of runs all the soups. They're essentially an allegory for like this, like these mega conglomerates that we have today, except the fact that, they also like, accept the fact that their main commodity that they traffic in is superheroism. And so that that justifies everything. So if you took all the MCU, but you made those characters real, but you also still made the MCU, you're essentially building your own propaganda machine that allows you to disseminate whatever information that you want to people 
because they see these people are real, but what they see in these people or that what's reported is only what you want it to be, right? And so you see that a lot in politics. You see that a lot in the corporate culture outside of in the real life. And they use superheroes as a euphemism to show that things are not always what they seem to be on the face. But, and this is going to be a full spoilers podcast, obviously, but um, the interesting part about that is that it's not just the superheroes, but they also use the boys to show that same thing. Because uh, as you follow the boys throughout the series, you are led to believe one thing about the team, and specifically about Billy Butcher. But as you go on throughout the series, you start to see that it's not exactly what it seems to be on its face. And there's more to it than that. Um, and everybody is not operating. Uh, the the boys are, pro- are positioned as a protagonist in the story. So you're led to believe that they're operating even if they're immoral or even if they're violent or crazy at sometimes you're led to believe that they're operating from a some place of morality related to the soups. So if you look at the boys and you look at the soups, you're like, okay, the, the boys are fighting for something better than what the soups are doing. But as you go along, you find out that mm, it's not that cut and dry. Uh, and I love how they weave that in. Uh, throughout the entire story, which culminates at the end of the story with you finding out, like, not just the last volume, but the last three volumes are really building up to the the ending of the story. Um, And I thought the way they did it was great because when you first read it, the first few volumes, it's it's a story, but it's not a story. And I mean that saying that the first parts of the story, if you read them in a vacuum, it's essentially telling the story about how soups are crazy as fuck. And then not as you seem. But the last three or four volumes ties all that into a larger story that Ennis is trying to tell. And um, yep. I'm glad that he built it that way. So um, let's just do some little random things really quick. So who's your favorite character in The Boys? Oh, God. Um, or you can do your favorite couple of characters. Right off the top of my head, I really want to say Billy Butcher. Just because I understand, and I don't want to give too much away, but there's a story about, well, in the first issue, you find out that a superhero killed his wife. Um, indirectly. But when you find out what he, what happened to him to bring him to be this person that he was, and then the life that he wanted to, the life that he thought was going to be the greatest thing ever, and then losing it, and how he lost it, you're like, oh, okay. So I'm a big fan of characters that have multiple layers when all you see is like this big brute who curses a lot. Maybe I identify that with a, a little bit more than I should. But I really loved his character. But it's on the opposite side of that. I really, really loved, uh, and I'm going to put them together, Starlight and Huey. Um, they're one of, I think, the great love stories in comic books because it's a very realistic view of what it's like there was no we're together and everything's gonna be peachy it's like no we saw them argue we saw them fight we saw them reconcile we saw them get to a point where we didn't think anything was gonna happen we thought that that was the end of it um granted some of the stuff that happened in between them was was a lot more dramatic than it could be in real life but there's still trials and tribulations that someone will go through um individually 
um, Starlight doing something that completely changed her personality um, down to the core from her, what she thought of religion and God, all the way to what she thought of just human beings. Huey having a, a traumatic moment where he's, for the first time he was in love, the woman said, woman that he loved said it right back to him. And she was immediate, almost immediately killed by a rogue, uh, not, I shouldn't say rogue, but by an irresponsible superhero. And then for them to do really do nothing about it was like, oh. And the fact that he like constantly is learning more about himself, um, about the world, and just getting this different view of things was just an amazing, was just phenomenal. So I would have to group, those would probably be, I think, the best characters on there. And granted, yes, they are the stars. But um, those are easily my favorite characters in there because I found myself being really invested in their stories. But um, I think a sleeper is the dude that Homelander constantly deals with who has no emotion on his face. Like He is just yeah, a stone-cold bad motherfucker. Yeah, he's a bad motherfucker. Like, they, they did him wrong. They did him wrong in season one of the boys because... They killed her because they made uh, they made him a woman in there. Off in season one, it was like y'all missed a really big opportunity with them. But hopefully, they'll fix that. And see, seeing as how the CEO could be that very stoic and emotionless person that the Homelander may have to deal with from here on in. My two favorite characters were Starlight and Maeve. Um, and Maeve was. Maeve- yeah, because I found their stories to be so. Starlight and Maeve to me are what I was talking about when I begin with. Where if you watch, if you read those stories without context, you can be like, "This is so fucked up." Like, who would write this shit about women? But when you read their stories through the book, and you if you can separate some of the language used. It's essentially trying to tell a larger story about women that is more positive than negative, and then how men can just fuck that shit all up, doing shit. Um, yeah. And so Starlight, Starlight, I the my, my only issue with the Starlight's ish story is that she didn't get more at the end. Um, I wanted her to get more at the end. I wanted a somewhat of a better conclusion to her story at the end than how they did it with her just leaving. Um, and going, yeah. leaving Huey and just saying I'm going somewhere. Um, and Maeve's story is so sad. And I think they're, le- I think they're hitting that. So one of the things we're going to talk about too is like how this compares to the show and what we should, what we're expecting for season two. But the show is clearly telling a different story. And it, it, to me, what the show is doing is they're telling a different story, but they're using the boys as this comic book as an influence. So they're using the characters and some of the wild events and things that happen in the comic books as plot points in the show, but I think they're telling a different story. But one of the stories that I think they are telling that they set up well is Maeve. Maeve's story in the show and Maeve's story in the comic books, as far as the shows we got so far, are very closely aligned because Maeve is just, you just see her just sitting around drinking all the time, just drinking, not giving a fuck. She's drinking, she's fucking dudes, and she's drinking and she's fucking dudes, and she's drinking, and she's got, like, no care. And that's kind of the Maeve you see in the show, except every once in a while you get Maeve who is clearly conflicted about something or clearly is upset about something 
or you see that like she's not with something, but ultimately she's been beat down so much that she's just like, fuck it. I'm like, I'm getting this money. I'm, I can drink all day. I got this manservant. Fuck it. And then eventually she snaps out of it. But when she snaps out of it, it was the end of her. Um, and, Something else I'd love yeah. to say about it is the, um, what they, the way they're telling her story in the show would make for a better lead up to her just becoming very nonchalant about everything that's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like you see that like she was in love, like in she couldn't be with this person. And then when she made an attempt again, the woman she loved, like just basically was like, I want nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if you love somebody that much and you can't be with them and then you're going to sacrifice it and then they say to you no in a very direct and maybe harsh way, that'll destroy anybody. And in the comic book, when you find out why she became who she was and the fact that it seemed like she really did enjoy helping people, and then to find out what happened, you're like, oh, okay. And then what's even weirder about that is, is we probably know that while that was the big moment on that plane for her, we had to, we also know that there had to be stuff before that and after that. We find out what what it really was um, in the second to last uh, story arc. We find out what really happened with the Maeve and everything. And it it kind of circles back to everything that happened to Starlight. So one of the things, and I I say this on every comic book podcast or anytime I write anything about a comic book series that I enjoy, is you have to appreciate... uh, these stories that have zero wasted moments, like something that has something as simple as uh, terror um, being unleashed on another dog, is something that comes up later in the sh- in the series. Something as small as Billy Butcher dropping little hints to Huey comes back up in the very last uh, two or three issues. And you're like, holy shit, there was a plan there was a plan right from the beginning. And those and I think that's the reason I love Garth Ennis as much as I as I do is because everything I've read from him that I've enjoyed, there are no wasted moments. There's no wasted panels. Um so I have I appreciate things like that with the boys because um some like a, I think it's called Crossed, I think, where someone was saying it's just a violent comic book for the sake of violence. And there is no real story for that. Like they're cool. Um the Marvel Max stuff and the uncensored comic books are great, but are you giving us more? Are you giving us more than just nudity and violence? Like, you know what I mean? I actually have to have vegetables, um, you know, before I have my dessert. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. And Starlight, I actually like parts of the story in the comic book better than the show um, because I think the progression between Hugh, I like. So in the show, Huey kind of finds out she's Starlight immediately and well, not immediately but very quickly um and then they just are just going from there and then uh he's kind of using her because billy's manipulating him to use her uh she finds out and gets upset in the comic book it goes on for a long time without huey without huey knowing what she does and without she knowing what huey does and that creates this relationship between the two that I think is very genuine and and creates uh it makes the conflict when they finally do find out about each other so much bigger and more impactful 
then in the show with them finding out so soon and kind of how uh, she just dismisses them at the end and she's back to wearing her old costume. And I, I mean, I think I like the show's version of it too, but I think the comic book version built more suspense because you're, you, every time you read it, you're just like, when are they going to find out? When are they going to find out about each other? When are they going to find out about each other? Um, and the whole time they're just talking in euphemisms about their jobs without being specific to what they actually do. Uh, so you know that they are having issues, and they're basically speaking from the same perspective. Because the other thing is, Huey and Starlight in ways are the same character in reverse in a lot of ways, um, yep. with the boys and with the soups, uh, which is what makes them well together. Um, and when I first reread it, there's the part where, so I mean, everyone saw the, a lot of people saw the show, but like there's a, in the book instead of. Uh, Starlight just uh, being forced to give head to uh, the Deep. It's like three of them. It's like the Deep, it's Black Noir, and it's Homelander. And it's not even the Deep's not even in it. It's um Black Noir, A Train. Oh yeah, A Train, uh, Homelander. <laughs> yeah, and so um, you find out when Huey finds out about it, he basically flips the fuck out, and. You can watch that. You can be like, "That's so fucked up." Like, why would they write this? But one, that's how a lot of dudes would react in real life. But two, it gives Starlight the chance that over the next few issues, she's basically like, "Look, Huey, like I get that this flustered you and that you're upset, but like at some point you're gonna have to get over this shit. Like if you want to be with me, you're gonna have to get over this shit, and you're gonna have to realize that you ain't gonna meet." a woman relatively in 2020 probably that's just so quote unquote super innocent and pure as white as a driven snow like that's some bullshit myth like misogynistic shit and if you love me then you need to love me for who I am and if not if you can't get past that then just let me fucking go is essentially what yep. she said um and I love that because in the in the in the in the show it it doesn't get to that. You haven't. It doesn't reach that kind of peak because it happens so fast. Uh, but in the books, they make Starlight this character where she basically starts saying "fuck it" to. She basically just stopped being in the seven, like midway through the series. Like you don't even see her at headquarters doing nothing, anything anymore because she's basically like "fuck it," like that's not for me. And what I wanted in the show, what I wanted in the books, until I saw the last couple of volumes, which totally made sense. But before that. I was like, is Huey going to convince Billy that soup, all soups aren't bad through Starlight? And so you're waiting for like that to happen, but it never happens. And, it, and, and it's, I'm glad it didn't happen because it wouldn't have worked out <laughs> anyway after you see what happens with uh, Butcher. Uh, so, but when you're watching it, you're just like, she is the exception. Because here's the thing. As much as we are, we'll get into what happened with Butcher... The soups are fucked up in this show. I mean, in this book. Like, they're so fucked up. And one of the things that's fucked up is, one of the things that's not fucked up is, I think they present, like, sex, the sexuality of a lot of the soups as something that should be fucked up. But then, when you read it, it's not presented that way. It's actually presented as, it's not, it's, it's presented as deceit as they're marketed as one thing, but they're not actually that thing, and that the American people would see them differently if they knew all these things about them. But what mm -hmm. Garth Ennis does a good job at doing is not just making it about kinks. And so he 
he makes it about going too far, about like using women, abusing women, about uh, or or men or uh, trans women, or um, like just being overly aggressive or being dismissive and not caring. And he takes yep. that because there's I I text I texted old man and I was like, dude, I totally forgot what they did with the G men and G Wiz. And so the G men are basically an allegory for the X Men. And then they have like all these other offshoots, like the X, you know, X Men have X Factor and uh, Excalibur and X Force, and and so they do that in the sh- on the book too. So they have the G Men and they have the G Wiz and they have all these G groups. And so the G Wiz are like the young mutants; they're like the new mutants, essentially. And they are wild as fuck. Like they are just like pissing on each other jerking off on each other. They have like a, a theater where they all get in there naked and just watch porn and together and jerk, and jerk each other off. Like it's wild as shit, right? But you find he, out why. But not just that. He doesn't present the G men as you should hate them because they do all this wild sexually shit. In fact it's the opposite. He basically cause he, Huey is like speaking through the art like a lot of the book is the is Huey's voice, right? And so Huey goes back to yeah. the boys, and he's just like, hey, man, like, these guys are a little wild and sexually free, but they're, like, good dudes. Like, they generally like each other. They're not out here fucking around people or that's not part of the team. They're not just killing people indiscreet, indiscreetly. Like, they are actually, like, okay people. And then Billy Butch is like, they're fucking soups. They're all the same, <laughs> right? And, and was like, but look, they're not that bad. And and so that was Garth using the outrageous, but saying, like, it's not the outrageous why these people are bad. And then you find out, how do you say his name? God-locking? Uh, God-looking? Um, God-locking. Professor Xavier. Yeah, he's basically <laughs> Xavier. And you find out that, like, what he did is he, he kidnaps these kids. So basically the story is that he finds these, like, orphan kids, and he brings them in, and he raises them. And makes and then they turn to heroes. But what you actually find out is that no, no, no. He's actually taking kids from families, like kidnapping kids from families when they're really young, injecting them repeatedly with Compound V to get them having powers. The ones that don't turn into powers, he just kills them and then moves on, just like it's collateral damage. And then once they get powers, he keeps them there and then he abuses them on top of that. Um, and it's not it's like any kind of abuse you can think. And so the reason this story was so deep is because this is actually what happens in real life. When you have um, young um, girls and boys who are sexually abused as kids, they don't really learn any, they don't learn what things are and are not acceptable. Um, you know what I mean? And so they start doing things that may not be... Um, right in um, the world, like, you know what I mean? For example, like, they didn't understand why, while someone's knocked out in the bathroom, hey, let's jack off on them. Right. It's like, huh? Right. Like, you know what I mean? And then, like, you know what I mean? Or, hey, let's not, hey, let's go, let's go piss in this dude's mouth while, while he's, like, bent over doing this. You know what I mean? So, and granted, if that's what you're into, cool. But the thing about it is, it's just like, it's just disturbing when you find out that the reason they are the way they are is they weren't really taught boundaries. They weren't really taught um, what sexuality really is. And 
once uh, towards the end of that specific series, when one of them actually spoke out on it, it was something that they blocked out. You know, finding out that you know somebody offers you candy and all the games in the world, and then after a couple of days, you realize you're never going to see your family again. And then, and then once it's basically, what's the, it's not hypnotizing. It's um, Stockholm syndrome probably would be the best word for it because it's like they're defending a guy who literally came into their beds and raped them at night. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, they raped them into, like, submission. You know what I mean? It's disgusting. It's nasty. But unfortunately, that's those are things that happen in real life. Like, we've, we've heard the stories. We've seen the people discuss it about how you're abused by someone who was supposed to be your protector, someone who's supposed to be the one who loves you, the one who's supposed to be teaching you these things, not like, you know, who's supposed to be protecting you from it, not actually the person who's supposed to be assaulting you. You know what I mean? So... Huey took Huey took that to heart, and it was so it was so um, cool that after all that happened, and then they tried to attack him. Huey was like Huey grew Huey grew a set of balls and was like fuck this noise, and then um, Butcher was like what are you doing? And then the rest of the boys were like oh no fuck this we're gonna die we're gonna die in half. And then Butcher who had his plan and who had a plan and action was like you know what as good as a day to die as ever. And so even Butcher could really understand how terrible the things were. And he hates superheroes on a genetic level. You know what I mean? So the story of the G-Men is probably one of the two saddest that you'll see. Yeah, is because shows up and just obliterates all of them. Just slaughters. Just slaughters <laughs> the whole team themselves. The boys doesn't even get to do it. Vought shows up with like fucking helicopters and people in like a whole army, and they just slaughter all the G-Men teams, just destroy them, obliterate all of them, because they're basically like, if if we kill this, then this can't get out about God locking and all the shit that he's done. And at least they are top selling team, but the loss that we would get from that is worse than what we'll lose by having them not even exist. We can just make some shit up about how they're on some type of mission and people will forget about them over time. Or we can just keep writing these comic books. But if it gets out that what Godlock is actually doing, like, we can't get past this. And so they just cut bait. They just be like, well, we're cutting our losses. And they just kill them all. And it's wild. Like, it's really wild. Um, but that's that's kind of the story of the book, is that you build something up, and then it gets torn down. And you build something up, and it gets torn down. It's a, it's a G-O-D-O-L... K I N Godolink, Godolink, Godkoken, whatever. Godlokin, probably Godlokin or something. Yeah, but yeah, he it it that's the story of this book. Um, and so uh, the ultimate story of this book is the story of Bully Butcher. He is the main character. He's the main protagonist for most of the book, and then he turns and he's the, he's the classic uh, live long enough to see yourself become the villain because mm. by the end of the book. He is the villain. Um, and so for people who haven't read the book, and I'm not sure they're going to do this on the show, but um, if, for those of you who haven't read the book, what essentially you find out is that Mallory, the person who got the books together, the boys together in the first place, is still alive. And he ends up telling Huey the whole story about like how this shit all went down. And so Huey's learning more about the backstory. And you're starting to put two and two together. And, and Mallory basically says, like, listen, the reason why I left is because I created a monster. He's like, I, Butcher, I thought Butcher just wanted to, you know, 
get some soups in check and get revenge for Homelander for what he did for his wife. But he was like, no, no, no. I started to realize that there's much more than that to him. And I couldn't stop it, and I did not want to be a part of it. So I had to leave. And then, so you find out that, like, one of the things that Butcher has been doing is that the guy, the scientist that created Compound V, he was supposed to kill him. He didn't kill him. He ended up injecting him with Compound V so he could live longer. And then he was essentially having Compound V made that was creating new superheroes. And so Butcher was essentially making new soups so that he could keep this war going against soups. And it's so, like... So, yeah, go ahead. So here's, so here's what happened. And the only reason I know that is because I read it a million times. So what ended up happening was he was supposed to go kill kill that, kill the scientist. Butcher kept him so he could be a compound B, not for more superheroes, but he knew that he would need it for another war. So he knew that he had more plans going on. So yes, he was doing it for a war, but he knew that eventually he may need compound V to inject in somebody else, for example, Huey. So, and so while he, so while, while he ended up getting a co- compound B for this, it was weird how like he was alive and keeping this mo- like well, someone he essentially called a monster alive only because, like you said, he wanted to continue the war. So it wasn't just that he was creating more suits; it was because it was a big contradiction in terms of what he really wanted and what was actually happening. You know right. I mean? So it was. But they also said that, like, <clears throat> he was in charge of, like, some of the distribution of Compound V that was making new soups. Like, they, I think they said, they alluded to that at the end. And so, essentially, you have this, you think that, like, Billy Butcher's thing is that he doesn't want any soups. And that was Mallory's fear, was that he wanted to kill all the soups. And it was that to an extent, but it wasn't exactly that. It was that the soups were the boogeyman to him. And he got all. He didn't get. It wasn't sexual thing, but he got off on fucking up the soups, and nothing else meant anything besides the fact that he had this mission because his life was taken away from him, and so that became his new life, and his new life became destroying soups, and so at the end of the story, once so okay there's one thing we got to talk about before we get to end the story because i want to get into some of the tv stuff and some other stuff but one of the big surprises in the story is that you find out that black noir who you never see talk or do anything is actually a more powerful clone of homelander and that black noir was cloned and put in that place specifically to be a check on homelander so Vaught, when Vaught made Homelander, they knew how fucking powerful he was. He's basically Superman. And they basically said, like, if this shit gets out of hand, we can't stop this dude. And it's not like we can just drop a nuke without destroying millions of people. So we can't do that. So, they weren't even sure to actually stop him to begin with. Right. So they were like, the only thing we can do is make another version of him that we can't control. So they basically, like, refined Compound V. And to a point so that they could make a more powerful version of Homelander. The problem was that they could control, which worked. But the problem was it made that dude fucking psychotic. And so all the fuck. You're good. The way they described it, and it was it was perfectly done. It was they gave him a purpose, but he could never actually uh, complete that complete that goal. So, it, like you, like you said, it drove him fucking crazy. 
So he started dressing up as Homelander and doing all this outlandish shit and then sending the images of him doing this as Homelander to the boys. Right. So you'd see all this stuff going on and you're like, what the fuck? Homelander's so fucked up. But then you'd see Homelander do the actual Homelander do something and then he'd run to the bathroom and puke and you're like, and then you're like, wait, you just literally raped a baby to death but you're upset that you had to like yell at somebody and like choke them up? That doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah. well, and so you're like, okay. so you're like, maybe it's a split personality thing, maybe it's psychosis, maybe there's so much more going on. But then after all this time, you're like, and I brought that up. Remember I said like, you know, something as simple as shoving a thumb up someone's butt mm-hmm. that happened in uh, Hero Gasm. Yep. And again, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. And even the the characters are like, when Huey finally tells them, they're like. This doesn't make any sense, and then it starts putting the puzzle together. So, and they actually kind of make Homelander still did some fucked up shit, but they kind of oh, make yeah. him a simp- a more sympathetic character because Homelander is found. He's found out about some of these these pictures and stuff, and so Homelander's starting to think that he's done some fucked up shit that he doesn't remember. Like I don't know if he was fucked up at the time, or he just he in his mind that he went into like he blacked out. But he's like, yeah. I may have done all this fucked up shit, but he didn't actually do any of this fucked up shit. It was Black Noir the whole time, so Homelander's whole shit is just fucked when he sees Black Noir walking and take that fucking mask off in the White House um, at the like this final standoff between Butcher and Homelander, and then Black Noir comes in where he could finally do what he was there to put his mission was was to take out the Homelander, and so he took out the Homelander. But he got fucked up himself. Um, he comes out, and then Butcher fucking takes a crowbar and just rips his fucking brain out. Like it's very graphic. Um, and and you're and thinking, it, oh, go ahead, Mark. No, no, I was just gonna say that like one of the things that really got me was he the whole series. He said, "I'm not into speeches." He said the whole time he never understood why villains and heroes give these giant speeches. And then when he has the end, he says. I can, he said he admits that like I never understood why it happened, but I'm gonna do it right now. And he rips his brains out, and he goes, "Maybe I'll be lucky, and this is the part of your mind that remembers my wife." And he crushes it. And I was like, "Holy shit!" And it was just like, not only did he break his rule, it's like you finally get to see him complete his goal, or so you think. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. So at that point, you think it's over. Like this, like they're just gonna wrap up the series. This is what the whole series was built up to for Butcher finally getting his revenge. He can finally mm-hmm. rest to an extent. Like, there's still soups in the world that you kind of need to keep an eye on, but most of them are, like, hiding because of all the shit that went down. And so it's not nearly as bad. Like, that was the goal of the boys, to put soups in check. It's over. Homelander's done. Black Noir's, or the real Homelander that you find out is done. It's over with. And then you find out that no, 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 no. That's what you're led to believe is what over with. But that ain't it. And then yeah. Billy Butcher s- proceeds to systematically tie up all loose ends. He goes to <laughs> Russia and kills Voss. He goes back to he the killed- legend, Stan Lee. He kills the legend. Um, he killed his boy Mallory. He actually brought him. So Mallory tried to escape to Russia. He kills Mallory. Kills, his- kills someone he thought was like, he was like, you know, oh, like, you know, I thought we were friends and blah, 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 da, da, da. But I think 
the most, I think maybe the most emotional I got in there uh, was when he started going through and trying to kill the boys. Yeah. And I, and before we go further, I want, I have to, have to, have to make sure that we mention that Mother's Milk is one of the dopest, one of the dopest black characters in any fucking comic book. Because he's not just some big dude. Like, if it was, it's like Butcher said it. He's the he's the only thing that keeps everything together. Without him, the boys does not work. Mm-hmm. Because he's so meticulous, so because he's so anal retentive with things, because he's so cleanly, because he knows that like he has to say certain things to keep Butcher in check. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that may get lost in this because there's so much there's so much going on and he rarely speaks. But like when he started putting everything together. In that uh, the arc with uh, when you find out about Black Noir and um, Homelander, you like he was the one who took all the puzzle pieces and then made it a beautiful picture. Like you know what I mean? Because individually, no one knew, you know, what was going on. But he took everything that was there and Batman that shit. You know what I mean? Like he he took everything that no one knew and was like, hey. Something's really fucked up, and here's what's really going on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Butcher ends up getting into a fight with Mother's Milk um, because Mother's Milk finds out what he did to his ex-wife in front of his daughter, uh, yep. which is fucked up. And he ends up... Mother's Milk was beating his ass, and then Billy was like, fuck this, and he pulls out a grenade, just blows him up, and then suffocates him, kills him. Then he plants the uh, bomb. Oh, good. Oh, see, and that was the moment in itself. I was like, I don't think we can skip past just that moment where he talks to him and he goes, so you were the one who took my blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, you weren't supposed to be here for this. You were just supposed to die with everyone else. I didn't want to face you. And he goes, I can't believe you did this. You were like, he's like, you're my friend. And he goes, and he goes, um, you're the best friend um, a bloke like me could ever have. He goes, um... A a better friend than anyone like me should. And he pulls the grenade out, shoves it in his face, and like you said, he suffocates him. And then, even after doing something that brutal, it wasn't like some villains um, who just kind of get up and go. And you assume that even though Butch is doing this stuff, that he doesn't have any emotional attachment to them. But even after doing that to his best friend, he just sits back and looks like, I can't believe I just did this. Because if he didn't give a shit about Mother's Milk, he wouldn't have done that um, to M.M.'s kid's mom. He was like, you know what I mean? He was legitimately upset that someone like hurt his friend the way she, the way he, the way she did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's just he's such a damn complex character because you think you know him, and then out of nowhere, something else happens, and you're like, holy fuck, I don't really know him. And shit, even down to the very last point where he dies, you still don't know if you know anything about him because there's a new series out right now, which we can discuss later. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I don't know anything about that. But yes, then he kills Mother's Milk, and then he plants a bomb and kills Frenchie and the female. They're dead. Which was really sad. And then you like find kid- out that then you find out that he's basically setting this shit up so that Huey can stop him. And so it, it becomes even more meta because he's doing all this. So essentially he's like, I can't help myself, but 
I can't help myself, but I I know that I can't help myself. So at least I need to put these things in motion so that I can create this dude, Huey. And so you find out that, like, everything that he's done this entire time with Huey, manipulating him, has been for the express reason so that when the time came, Huey had what it takes to take out Butcher. Um, I'm so sad, man. Like, the idea when he's, like, talking to Huey, and um, he, I think he insults, I think he um, says, is this what Becky, Butcher's ex-wife, would want? And he goes, oh, now you're really playing dirty. Good for you. And then he says something, and he goes, and Butcher goes, you, st- you, st- you still can't even look me in the eye, can you? And and, and um, Huey's like shocked. He goes, dear God, can you even say my name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, holy fuck. I don't know if I remember Huey actually calling him Butcher. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's usually like, he probably has. But, like, it's always like, what's the phrase? Say the devil's name and he'll appear. Mm-hmm. It almost comes out like, he like he was like he was literally scared of him. Like, well, there was a Butcher scene was... with Starlight where she's like, "You never says your boss's name," um, and he's like, "He's like, yeah," but she's he's like, "You know, I get it. Like, I can tell he he bothers you or something." And so they even bring that up earlier. Um, but then the ultimate, the whole thing with Billy is he's been manipulating him. So like, one of the things happened with like Swing Wing and Billy and and. Uh, um, Huey's t- talking to Butcher, and he's like, "Listen, man, I'm not like you. Like, you do all this shit, but all the shit that you've been doing is just because you hate the soups." And he's like, "You don't care that they actually raped this woman. You just want to use that they raped this woman so that you can have leverage so that you can stop them." And he's like, "I actually care. He's like, I actually care that he's like when Jupe, when the trans woman got killed. Like, you don't you don't care, but he's like, I care because people don't care that these people get killed." And he's like, I care about this shit, and you don't. And then Butcher goes, well, I killed um, I killed Swing Wing. Swing. He's like, I killed Swing Wing after he did that shit. And then he's like, I don't know if you're telling the truth or you're just trying to manipulate me again. And so the whole thing is him manipulating him all the way up till the end where they're having this basic, they're having like this word fight because they fell out of this at the Empire State Building. And he, Butcher basically says, Oh yeah! Before I came here, I went to Ireland. I slaughtered your family, and that's what sends Huey over the edge. And Huey rips the thing out of his leg and fucking kills the butcher. And then he calls up. He calls like somebody in their family, and come to find out, like they're okay. They're not dead. He didn't do anything. And that was the he even him to kill him. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even have to kill him. It was just the last manipulation of Billy Butcher was to get Huey. To fucking kill him, um, and so the way it ended is like Huey. Like to me, it's just like because the way it ended with Starlight and Huey is she's like, it, when you want me, when you really want me, you give me a call and maybe we'll work this out. But when that ended, you're just like, I I don't know what's going. On. I, Huey's fucked. Like he's fucked. Like I don't know how he comes he comes back from this. Um, and so it just wraps up. All it's a seventy-two issue story. It just wraps up all seventy-two issues, just, just perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh man, you were saying they got a new boys book out. So what is that about? So from what it looks like, it looks like they're just with the new so with the new series coming out. It seemed like a smart idea to kind of like give us some random stories that happened within them. So, uh, Huey gets a um, gets a book 
uh, looks like a diary that Butcher wrote. And whenever he was having like these moments of pure anger or like rage, he would write in his diary. And he would write them as if he's writing to his dead wife. And so we're getting a lot of stories that happened uh, prior to Huey, like Mallory was still in charge and they're, <laughs> they're giving you more heroes. Because uh, one of the things about the boys comic book is you'll see these random moments where you're like, oh, that's Daredevil. Oh, that's Black <laughs> Panther. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite comic book covers was from uh, the Dark Knight um, Returns. And it's like, it's uh, Batman jumping off a building and there's a lightning bolt coming down. And it is a comic cover where it's the same thing. There's a lightning bolt coming down, everybody else in the shadow. But instead of Batman jumping off, it's Butcher kicking him off the roof. So you get these random moments like that. And so the boys are going up against, they find this, they find, <laughs> they find this, this kid, so like, you know, if you're in danger, they deal with it. So they have this kid in a bathroom and they had to sneak up on him because he was so powerful. And I'm like, what kid could be so powerful that they had to like sneak up on him and rip his tongue out? And then the kid's going, to fam, to fam. And I'm like, holy shit, that's supposed to be Billy Batson. And it was, and I laughed so goddamn hard when I read when I read that because I didn't get it. And then like seeing him yelling out, yelling that out. But then you have to, and then they bring it a point. It's like, why would they do that? Like, but it's like the mind, like the mind of an, a seven or eight year old kid with the power of Superman. They're gonna do all sorts of inappropriate things. So they took out the, they took his power away. And it was so fucked up, but you're like, oh, okay, I get it. So, but as it's so, um, so then it goes, so you see that, and so I'll read, a, I'll read, a, I'll read part of it. So it goes, so I'm standing there looking at him, or it even. I'm trying to stamp, uh, I'm watching it stamp and us with how much it hates us, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is them. This is deep down inside, the bit that they show Joe Public, but me and the boys know all about. This is what makes it easy for me. But the next thing I know, I'm thinking of something else. There's no way I'm going to save this to Mallory or them. But no matter what he's no matter what he done, no matter what he says, his stupid bloody word and gets five times bigger and sticks his dick and his fingers in people who don't want him to, he's still just a ten year old kid. And I know why I'm thinking that. And then he um then there's a vision of like his wife in a shadow, putting her hand on his shoulder, trying to tell him like, you know, calm the fuck down. And he goes, I hate, um, I hate talking about soups and all the bloody awful shit to do shit, shit to you. But if you're with me, then you, um, the way I think you are, you see it anyway. You're still there, Becky. All the good stuff, you're, all the stuff you've done for me, and all the good um, that I believe inside myself, that's you. And I don't think, I don't, I don't know why. But I feel like you're getting stronger. You aren't going nowhere, not anytime soon. So it's like, so throughout all of that stuff that's going on, he still really understands that like what he's doing is wrong. So we find out that a lot, we find out that there's actually a diary that he wrote to talk to his wife, which makes it even weirder because it's like, so you know it and you still went through went through it. Mm-hmm. 
But how would any of us react if we had the power to stop something? And then we, we can get into the idea of it's almost, it's very racist. Because you have these idiots who think that like all black people are bad, or all Jewish people are bad, or all white people are bad. And it's like, well, if I could, I would abolish them all. It's like, wow, you are an evil human being. And Butcher knows evil for doing it. And which is why, to what we said earlier, why he needed someone set in place because he knew he couldn't stop himself. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love that. I love that book. Um, uh, so before we get to our last topic, um, so a couple things with the TV show. We're going to season two. Um, mm-hmm. We already know that we're getting Stormfront. They've changed Stormfront to a woman, and I don't think she's a Nazi, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> she might be a modern Nazi. Now that would be crazy. And they made her like a Trump-like Nazi, like a Richard Spencer-type person. That'd be wild. Um, but we're getting Stormfront. She's a woman. She's in the trailer. Uh, it looked yep. like she's like some type of influencer in the trailer because she's like on Instagram Live, like filming Homelander. Um, but what other characters from the book would you like to see in season two? Like some Mal- secondary uh, soup soups. Mouth chemical. That uh. guy is. <laughs> He is one of the worst people in in the history of comic books. He is just an awful. Okay, he's like Metamorpho. Yes, he okay. Stormfront may be awful because Stormfront's a Nazi. There's nothing. There's almost nothing worse than a Nazi. But Mal Chemical is just he's a step below a Nazi. <laughs> but at least Stormfront could control himself. Like he was about to do. He was about to sexually assault a group of handy and a bunch of handicapped superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Like, yo, he is the absolute, he is the absolute fucking worst. And the only reason I want to see him is because I want to see, I want to see Butcher put his face, put his fist through his face and then burn him up. I really, really want to visually see him taken out because he is one of the worst characters ever. Um, I'd also love to see the legend. I think the legend would be great yes. to see. I don't know if we're going to see the legend only because Stan Lee is dead. Right. And I'm not sure the backlash would be is something that they want. Uh, Tech Knight would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I don't want to even explain it. Uh, Listeners, Google Tech Knight (laughs) and leave it at that. Um, I think, oh, uh, also, um, Love Sausage. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Something with Russia, uh, with Voss. That would be interesting. Uh, I enjoyed um, the what they call them, the Revengers or whatever. Uh, they, they had to do this like Captain America. They called him Soldier Boy. It's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> uh, they have, like, some of the soup's names are hilarious. Um, I personally would be interested in seeing a G Men type story. Um, I don't know if Amazon wants to go that wild, um, but they can do that. Um, and I want to see, um, I want to see if they do any of the reanimation. So one of the big things in the book is that when some of the soups die, Vought brings them back to life, and they're like these zombies. They had like Nubia, who's supposed to be like Storm, and Lamplighter, and Blarneycock. They brought them all back. Um and I'm just like, I wonder if Lamplighter is somewhere in 
the Vought headquarters just like zombie like. I wonder if they're gonna show some shit like that in the show. Um so I'm interested to see where they go with that. Um one of the things I have to say about the show is that I don't think there is a single better casting on television than Carl Urban as Billy Butcher. That dude uh, I I I have to agree. Uh, so the name <laughs> Uh, he's on with Payback. <laughs> the name of their group is Payback. Oh yeah, Payback. Yeah. <laughs> they're not Avengers. They're Payback. Payback. Yeah, it's Payback. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Yo, this this whole fucking series is wild. I'm sorry to cut you off. You were saying. No, you're fine. Carl Urban is the literal Billy Butcher brought to life. Like he is. Like it is. It is uncanny. Like how good he plays that character from the comic books. Like it's just incredible um how good he is at that character. So I just I just love that dude. Like just how vulgar he is and how angry he is. It's just and manipulative he is with Huey. It's just so good. And he's smooth. And that's the other thing about Billy Butcher that people don't mention. They talk about the vulgarity and how smart he is. But Billy Butcher is smooth as hell. In Carl Urban, it's almost like that's his real personality. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I see him on social media, and he doesn't give a flying fuck, and I love it. But I will say this. For, for all as much as he doesn't give a fuck, you, he'll start posting random things about, like, hey, stop doing this dumb shit. You know what I mean? So it's, it's you're, you're right. It's like he's the personification. The, he's Billy Butcher in real life. And, yes, there are a lot of things that really irk me about the show, but honest to Odin, man, you can't do that show. Yes. Like you can the comic book. You can't. So, I, I, well, before the show came out, I couldn't believe they were making the show. Because. Everybody talk. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, you cannot, you cannot do that book on television. You just can't. In 2019 or 2018, whenever that came out, you just can't do that. So they have to tell a different story. Uh, so I get that. Um, but one of the things that they got well is casting. Like, Mother's Milk's casting, fantastic. Billy Butcher's casting is just perfect. Uh, Huey's Star- casting. I think Huey's a little tall for Huey, but the way he acts yeah. is good. Frenchie, perfect. Oh. The female, perfect. Homelander. Homelander. Homelander is incredible. He just, he, just, he just looks so goddamn smug. Yes. yes. I love it. Yes. It's like, oh, the, okay, the very first scene is like it's another thing. The very first first scene we see in the boys is um, Homelander and Queen Maeve stopping a. Um... He's like, "Oh my God, Homelander, can we get a picture?" And he smiles. Sure, kid. I'm like, "You douche." Yes. So there's two fantasy castings that I want to take out of. Um, I want to take out of um, the boys into other movies, and this will transition to our last topic that we kind of got in an argument about in text in our group chat um, is I want the dude that plays Homelander. I want him to play ear Thawne, reverse flash in a flash movie. If it ever happens. Flawless. That is absolutely flawless. I think he'd be a perfect cause reverse flash is a crazy person, but he's also super arrogant and smart, but just insane. Um, and I think that dude can play that so well. And, I know that they're doing a, a live action Mortal Kombat. I need Carl Urban to be Kano. Because that dude would be the perfect Fuck Kano. That. So I need those things yeah. to happen. So uh, somebody in Hollywood, if you're listening, make that happen. Um, so uh, we're in this group chat the other day. 
And somebody talks about like um, John Carlos Esposito playing some characters in the MCU. And so we start talking about who they should play in the MCU. And then I'm like, and we're talking about like we have to change the race. And somebody was like, well, maybe it could be Magneto. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Magneto has to be a Jewish person because that's part of his heritage. Like you can't take that Jewish heritage away from that character. He's no longer that character um, if you do that. But there are characters that you can change. And so I said to old man, I said, listen, anybody can have their character race changed if, I mean, I was speaking specifically about white people in this case, but any white character can be changed to a different race as long as white privilege isn't a key part of their character. So what I meant by that is Batman has to be white because Batman's superpower is white privilege. He is the impediment of white privilege. He has all the money, all the time, all the resources. He gets to fuck up. He thinks that instead of using his trillions of dollars to fix Gotham with money, that the way he's going to fix Gotham is that he himself is going to dress up in a suit and fucking dis- and take out criminals, and that's going to fix Gotham. That is white privilege to a T. So he has to be white. Go ahead, old man. <laughs> I, I just wish this was a video because I was really raising my hand. So, after two or three decades of people screaming, uh, Tom King and Snyder. Um, hold on, hold on. You're breaking uh, up a little bit. Uh, how? A little bit. Let me see if I can get you clear. I don't know what happened. How about now? Yes, go ahead. Me. How about now? Yep. So, now, Snyder, no more lives. Is he native? Williams is trying to uh, create. All right, we had a bit of a technical difficulty, but we're back. Uh, so, old man was just about to take my head off for talking about how Batman. Um, it's super white privilege, so go ahead. You have the floor, old man. <laughs> All right, so what's this? I'm going to this. So what is absolutely true is I'm king, and I'm not the one who did the movie. Doing good bad doing good. All right, after multiple tries, uh, we are back. And I'm going to leave that in because I'm lazy and I don't feel like editing it. I'm not as good as Charmaine. She would have edited that shit. You would have never known that happened. But me, uh, yeah, I know. Like for me, I'm trash. So I ain't going to edit it. I'm just going to leave it in. You know, you're going to get all, you're going to get all the rawness from us. But old man, um, go. So, okay. Here's a quick version. Tom King and the Snyder who doesn't do, do movies tried to do their best to make it look that, make it seem as if Bruce Wayne was trying to rebuild Gotham, which is great. That's fine. He's building sky who can't live in skyscrapers. The people who are really affected by Gotham City. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good gesture. But one of my favorite comic book snippets is um, there's two police officers no, I'm sorry. It's like, it seems like they're reporters, but I just saw this clip. It is no difference between Bigfoot and a good policeman in Gotham. And, they, and uh, the woman goes, 
people that people actually believe they've seen Bigfoot, he goes bingo. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> I was saying that, you know, you got these characters, but some of these other random characters you could change. You can make Johnny Storm black or Hispanic or Asian. I don't okay. care. You can make um you can make uh um other characters that are white, different characters, like uh, any white dude, basically. Uh, it's just a few white dudes that, like, you got like you have to keep white. Like, I think Doctor Doom has to be white. Why? Because no nobody of color could act like Doctor Doom and get away with that shit. He'd have been nipping uh, the bud immediately. Um, I'd like to I'd like to show you Exhibit A, uh, fake Doctor Umar Johnson. Yeah, but nobody takes Doctor Umar Johnson serious. They take Doom serious. He is he is thought as a serious threat. Umar is a joke to most people. So that's exactly what would happen if somebody, if a black dude tried to act like Doctor Doom in the Marvel universe, they would look at him as a joke. Like, who's this dude? Like, they wouldn't respect any of his plans. No, he's a joke. Um, the only uh, same thing like Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor has to be white. Why? Because only a white man could think that he has to take it into his hands to stop the most powerful being in the world. Um, okay. Out you of sheer what? money and, and anger. I will debate that. I think it would be super cool if you had this black Lex Luthor who was pretty much like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? And then just become super obsessed with him. I think that would be so damn dope. Yeah, but here's the problem. To me, a black person would identify with Superman. He's this outsider that's been sent to a new place, uh, not of his own will. He's He represents the immigrant. That's the whole thing of Superman initially, was that he's supposed to represent the immigrant, the, the outsider, the different person. And I think, I mean, I could see a black person being mad at Superman, but not acting as Lex Luthor acts. Like, Lex Luthor, did you watch Young Justice? They basically made young Lex Luthor Trump. And then, if you read Lex Luthor in, in the good Superman runs, he is smart Trump. He's Trump, but not a moron. And that's the scariest thing in the world, and that's why he's so scary. So Here's my thing. This is the way I would look at it. So, excuse me. Imagine you're a black Lex Luthor, right? You've done all these incredible things. You've advanced technology. You've been uh, crucial in innovating, like just the world, excuse me, just Metropolis and then the world in general. Mm -hmm. Superman comes up and everybody forgets all the good things you do. And the first thing they say is, well, how come you didn't do what Superman did? That is some shit I can see happening to a black person. 1,000%. And then it's like, oh, so this white savior comes in and does that, and now I'm the bad guy here. But here's the thing. There's a logical fallacy to what you're saying that you're skipping over. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, time on, time on, time on, time on. You're using logic with me. You're skipping over the the biggest part why that could never happen. And the biggest part why that could never happen is because no one would ever think of a black person that way anyway before Superman came along. He would always be hated if he was that person. Who's the who's the black uh, philanthropic person? People, okay, so all the racist people and all the white people love MLK now. But when MLK was here, 
They hated him. Muhammad yeah. Ali. My, same thing. In that time where this uh, fictional black Lex Luthor would be trying to be philanthropic, he would be hated for being rich and public oh, and all that stuff. So he wouldn't need a Superman to be mad at because he'd be he could already be mad at all these other racist white people who would be hating him. Um, what's the Chris Rock joke? Uh, the community he lives in, he lived or lives in, uh, he lived with Jay-Z and Mary J. Blige, the greatest rapper of all time and arguably one of the greatest R&B singers of all time. And his neighbor is a dentist. It was like a, a black man has to jump and jump and crawl and run to something that a white man he goes, he's just a regular-ass dentist. He didn't invent teeth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, you listed a bunch of characters that you think had to be white. So you want to you wanna talk about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I didn't realize this until just now. You just stopped commenting. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot. I, I, I mean, I didn't forget. I was saving it for today. That's why I was. I should have known that this was going somewhere when you just stopped commenting. Yes, saving it for today so I can destroy your arguments. So you could destroy my arguments. All right. So da, 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 da. all right. So I'm gonna back my um. I'm gonna back up my statement because Rogue was. I so I called myself an idiot as I said Rogue. So um, Wolverine. Wolverine has to be a white Canadian. I agree. Uh, Cable has to be a white dude. I don't think it works with him being black or any person of color. Now, you know what? I could see him being... No, I think Cable has to be just a white dude. I don't think Cable has to be a white... I mean, what about Cable is white besides his daddy and mama's white? You gotta. You also gotta remember that Cable is looked at as like the Ascani son of fucking um, the future. Like, you know what I mean? How many real black generals are people really going to follow? To your point, even in the future, it's like you know, it's like eh, like let's look at let's look at Barack. Like I was like, yeah, we'll follow Barack, and it's even like, hell no, we ain't following Barack, but they'll follow Trump and not wear masks because they're fucking morons. No, they they follow Bishop in the future. Do they though? <laughs> a little bit. I mean, he's kind of a leader in the future. Kind okay. Okay. Here's the thing. Kind of a leader. Kind of a leader. <laughs> that is an old man Wade excuse. He's kind of a leader. And Cable, Cable went back to the future. Bishop was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of a leader. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll I'll give you I'll give you that. But I think Bishop could be a mixed baby because I think Gene Gray could absolutely be black. I don't think so. Uh, only because it has nothing to do with her personality. It's just how she is perceived as this like fiery redhead. I kind of feel. Oh that yeah, you're she... right. You're right. On the flip side, although of that, they did make I... Ariel black in the Little Mermaid. I'm, I'm wondering how they're gonna do the animation for her, but that could that could work. But again, like. I think people. I don't know. Oh, you know what? I got. A, I got a good argument for you. Can you picture how people would react if there was a black woman destroying billions of billions of people throughout the universe? Yeah, I think they would think. I think they would think that's about right. Yeah, and and like they'd be like, oh, and they, they'd be 
there would be no argument on anything else. No, like, would, they like, would see her as that. a villain. They won't. They don't see. They don't see the Phoenix as a villain. I see the Phoenix as a villain. People don't see the Phoenix as a villain. If, if the exactly. Phoenix was black, people would see her as a villain. Exactly. Uh, Cyclops has to be white, though. Hundred percent. Okay, I was going to debate that. See, I was on. The, I was on the other side of. The- One of the reasons I can see Cyclops being mixed is because he's almost never accepted by anybody. It's almost like, oh, you were thrown into this position and you were given this position to, by Xavier because, you know, you were blah, 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 blah. Even though he's proven time and time again that he's a great leader. But I and think Cyclops side, is too idealistic to be anything but a white man. Because nobody, he's, he's basically like a libertarian. Like, no one else could be as I mean until I mean recently, you know, I fuck with Cyclops in the last ten to fifteen years. Um, but you know, for the first twenty five, thirty years of Cyclops, like that dude was so idealistic and so in on in on the cause. No black person would be like so, okay. All right, so I agree and disagree. I agree with everything you said, but here's the reason I disagree. As a person who has uh, who who could who used to be very idealistic, there's always a certain point in your life where you're just like, okay, this shit just ain't gonna work, and, <laughs> and that's why I get it. And that's why I get it. Like it's like you know he was like you know it's like he, he was like oh everything can happen. It should work the way we want it to. And da da da. And then then you know what happened? Someone threw a brick at someone threw a brick at him, called him a nigger, and he was just like. <laughs> Okay, fuck you guys. We're gonna have our own island. You can go fuck yourself. That's why I can see Cyclops. That's why I can see Cyclops being mixed. Just from conversations that I've had with my wife about her saying that like white people didn't accept her, and then like black people didn't accept her. Like you know what I mean? I can see Cyclops being mixed. Okay, who else is on your has to be white list? Danny Rand. No. Well, no. No, 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 no. Danny Rand absolutely. shouldn't have been white in the first place. Danny Rand absolutely should have been white. The relationship between him and Luke Cage doesn't work unless he's talking to a rich white dude. Because I don't know if Danny Rand, because let's say, because there was an argument about Danny Rand being, uh, about making Danny Rand um, uh, Asian. Yes. And I said, no, because that white privilege argument doesn't work if he's Asian. Now, if this was uh, World War II, then yeah, I absolutely understand that. But this was post-World War II, this was the 1970s. This, the, the, the relationship between Luke Cage and Danny Rand isn't as deep if he's not white. But did they write him as, because I, I read some of those stories. I don't remember them writing him that way. I just remember them writing him as like, this dude that's really good at martial arts. Yeah, absolutely. And if we were still, if that if that mentality stayed, then yes, I could absolutely understand Danny Rand being Asian. But over the last, we'll say what, yeah, twenty years, oh yeah, when I they agree. made Rand Rancorp a thing, then yeah, absolutely. If this was if this was the incarnation of him, then yeah, Danny Rand absolutely should have been Asian. I agree. Uh, I'm on the fence about Johnny Storm. Um, only because a buddy of mine who happens to be white said he's supposed to be the epitome of cool. And he said to me, right, he goes, right now, the epitome of cool black guy. 
He goes, you'll rarely find anyone who's cooler than someone like Denzel Washington, Idris Elba, or like, you know, or like he was like, Denzel Washington is in his 50s or 60s, and he's still one of the coolest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, Idris Elba, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a whole conversation about that, but you talk about it on the show. But um, like, these are the people who are like the epitome of cool. They're the ones who are supposed to be like everything. And Johnny Storm, at the time, being blonde and white and free, was, which is funny, they made a joke about that in X-Men. Um, and it's like, that was the epitome of cool. And in the X-Men, they made um, Sam Guthrie, uh, some uh, black bartender asked him if he was of age and he showed him his license. And he goes, yep, I'm blonde, I'm white, and I'm free. And then he goes, and then so someone goes, what took you so long? He goes, well, apparently afraid that your Mimot all these years was racist. And I just learned about 50 years of oppression in about five minutes. <laughs> but like, but no, you have a guy like Johnny Storm and I truly and honestly believe you should keep Johnny Storm white and blonde because the dumb shit that he does, it kind of would make me cringe if it was a black dude doing this. Um, see, this is why I disagree with you. All you have to do is look at black celebrity rappers. I'd, I'd rather not, but go on. Black celebrity rappers, Johnny Storm, same person. Johnny Storm could be Future. He could be he could be ASAP Rocky. Oh, well, he's not black. But he could be Future. He could be uh, one of the dudes from the Migos. Please stop. He could be any of those dudes. Can I Young, disagree with you? Lil Wayne. You don't think Johnny Storm could be Lil Wayne? Can we just? Can I disagree with you and move on? <laughs> He could absolutely be any. That is Johnny Storm. <laughs> Johnny Storm is future. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> no, I'm not even. Gonna, I'll say this off the air because I don't. I don't even want to. I don't even want to say this. <laughs> Who else is uh, on your list? Uh, so I did the flip side. Uh, uh, Monet Saint Croix. I was like, Monet Saint Croix could absolutely be white. And I forget who said it, but they were like, "Why?" I was like, Monet Saint Croix. As much as I love her has spent the majority of her existence being everything that's white. Like, she's the daughter of a diplomat. She's rich. She's beautiful. Like, she's been on multiple magazines. We don't, but see, the thing about it, they don't, there's not really highlighted until recently. Um, And on top of that, she hit the genetic lottery of mutant powers. She's a telepath. She's super strong. She's nine vulnerable. She can fly at supersonic speeds. Like it's. Can you name anybody else with a doper power set than her? No, not at all. Like her. Like literally, and it's funny because she made a joke to Darwin. So Darwin's mother is black, and Darwin's father is um, Hispanic or Latin. So, and he, if you look at him, he looks white. And Monet St. Croix made a joke saying, oh, your evolution is like your powers of evolution even made you white. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, that's fucked up. But it's kind of true. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you want to survive, then this is the way you should probably do it. But it's funny that that's really a thing. And it's like Monet St. Croix is literally the epitome. Like her genetics, it was like when God or whoever else was creating uh, superpowers, it was just like, it was like, hey, we need to make a mutant here. And it was just like, white privilege. <laughs> and that's what happened. She has white privilege in a mutant body, a mutant Muslim body. 
And it's funny, she's proud of her mutant heritage. Uh, excuse me, her Muslim heritage. Yes, that's why to me she's got to be Muslim. You can't I, take I, that I, away. Like the only character I've ever seen that's a person of color, there's two characters that, well, one character that I understand, another character that they did that really didn't matter uh, in, in film, that they changed from uh, person of color to white. One was the ancient one, and while that was controversial, I understand why Marvel did that. Like, I, I get it. Like, I get why they did that. Like, it, it, I understand their thought process in making uh, the ancient one a white woman because that ancient one character from the comic books is fucked up. Um, so uh, I, I get it. They could have just made an Asian character not fucked up, but the ancient one character from the comic books is fucked up. And then on the boys, they changed the deep to a not black dude. And, that made me and, happy. and it didn't matter, really. Because nothing in the comic books about the deep being black except one time with him and uh A Train getting into an argument. Oh no, that was a that wasn't A. Was, I mean um, that was the <laughs> Jupiter. Yeah. He backhanded the shit out of him for even 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 like beginning to insult him. Yeah. He's backhanded him, watch your mouth. Um so here's the thing. So you mentioned um, you just mentioned someone. Um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, ancient one. Ancient one. So originally, I was upset, and then I was like, "Okay, uh, uh, they identify. I don't know what they identify. That's cool." But then I recently wrote an article uh, mentioning how we're in an age where they could have found an Asian uh, person who identifies. As Andronomous, or I'm butchering the word, who doesn't self-identify as a um, certain sex. So we live in an age where they can do that. But if they were specifically looking for someone famous, someone that'll capture eyes, and yeah, I get it. And you're a thousand percent right. The ancient one is really fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So as the more I watched about it, the more I, I wasn't as upset about it. But again, I'm not Asian, so. Lord knows how they felt about it. So if someone, um, someone who was Asian was upset by it, I would literally just say, okay, and just listen. Because it's not my part as a black male to say anything about it. You, you voice your opinion. You say how you feel. I have my thoughts, but your thoughts are way more important than mine are on this topic. Exactly. Uh, I think Professor X, uh, he's also privileged, so I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> um, who else we have? We both agree on Magneto. Uh, we both agree Storm has to be black, or well, Storm should be. I think Storm should be African, or she can be black. Uh, I don't know if you saw this post. Someone got mad at me because I said that Storm should be. Storm was born in New York. Yeah, I, I, said the same I mentioned. Thing. It, I mentioned in the article. In the article, I wrote that her father is from New York, her mother is Kenyan, and she was born in New York. The person decided not to read that, so fuck them. <laughs> um, but it would be nice that if they pick someone who was dark-skinned to play Storm. Um, Marvel is actively looking for a Jewish person to play Moon Knight. Now, granted, uh, Moon Knight doesn't identify as Jewish at all. He actually fought against that religion, but I can understand them wanting someone who could be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kitty Pride should be Jewish. She's proud of her Jewish heritage, and she should be Jewish. To your point about Monet St. Croix, if they made her white, I'd be a bit upset, but 
Oh, people would be heated. Uh, they I can't do that. Because what you can't right. do is because here's the thing, because there's not that many people of color comic book characters that are famous or recognizable or marketable, at least have been marketed, I should say, to the masses. If you put them in the movies, you can't change them to white because there's already yeah. enough whites. So the only way that you're going to get more people of color in the comic books is that some of the new characters that's come out in the last 10 to 12 years have to become more popular enough that they feel comfortable making a movie about <clears throat> and or you're going to have to change some races of people. Um, for certain characters um, that it doesn't matter. Like, in my, in my debate has always been the people is like, create new characters. Uh, we have a perfect example with Kamala Khan and Miles Morales where when you have the proper people writing these characters, they can be they can be done really well. Like Brian Michael Bendis is a white male who wrote um, Miles Morales perfectly. When um, a Muslim man took over from Miles Morales, I think he took it up to another level. You have Kamala Khan, who was written by a Muslim woman. It worked because they know the person, they know what it's like to be a Muslim woman. So if you're gonna write about these characters, at least either A, do the research, or B, be someone who understands what that's going, how it feels to be that. Right. Uh, like when, uh, I forget the guy, Peter David uh, made it a point to have a an issue of X Factor where Monet St. Croix like was flying, was like, oh, I'm a mutant and Muslim. Does that make me a terrorist? You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was dope that they made it a point to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, later finding out that uh, Peter David says some really fucked up things about either Eastern Europeans. I'm like, eh, he's not, maybe not be the best person to, <laughs> to comment on, but you know what I mean? The person's trying, um, at least, even if they'll, even though they have racist undertones, then he can go fuck himself on that. Um, so let's move. So who do you think about someone like Jamie Maddox? Does Jamie Maddox have to be white or can no. he be any, any race? He can be anybody. Uh, why do you feel that way? And so for me, it's just maybe it's just my bias because it's just what I've seen him as in so long. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think we just a lot. Well, that's the that's the issue though. All these characters we've just seen so long as white, so we're just like they got to be white. But if you actually look at the character, to me, a race of a character is a couple things. One, if it's a person of color, then you need to leave them as a person of color because there ain't that many of them to begin with. And then if they're white, they only got to be white if being if being white is part of the character. So if you yes. if you can take the whiteness out of that person and that character can still exist, then they can be whatever color. For example, like She-Hulk. She could be any color. She don't have to be white. I agree. She could be any race um, and it would work. Uh, as Especially considering she's Bruce Banner's cousin and not like a direct relation to him. Yeah. But Bruce Banner needs to be white because part of the th issue with Bruce Banner is just this idea that people still respect him as a doctor or white man, even though he turns into this monster. Even though they're scared of him, he still is able to exist as Bruce for a long time. Um, but Al did a great job speaking on that. Oh, too. yeah. Yes. Yeah. They even had that talk with the uh, with the black reporter, the black woman yep. reporter in the book, which is which which was perfect. Uh, for that character, um, but um, Jennifer could be any race. It doesn't matter um, for her. Um, if you're looking at characters that's coming to the MCU, so like they changed one of the Eternals to being black with um, Br Brian Tyree Henry, which isn't a big deal. Like it's like, and I like the fact that they made it a point to make that whole cast very um, versatile. Like you know what I mean? There's 
There are a few gay, there's two gay characters. There are a lot, there are a lot of women. There's a gentleman I believe is Middle Eastern. Uh, we have black characters, like, you know what I mean? So they made it a point to kind of like, I don't cover all bases seems wrong, but they made it a point to make it inclusive. Right. I think Norman Osborne has to be white. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A white man. You cannot make Norman Osborne not a white man. I think Craven the, Hunter, Craven the Hunter does not have to be white. Craven the Hunter doesn't have to be white, but here's a funny thing for you. I don't think Harry Osborne has to be white. I think Harry Osborne could be black. Yeah, Harry Osborne could be black. I just think Norman has to be white. I agree a thousand percent. Norman. And I love how people were so pissed off that uh, um, uh, I can't remember her name from Spider-Man. Um, because with a Z. Um, uh, Zendaya. And people are like, oh, Mary Jane is like, nope, her name's MJ, so go fuck yourself. It's like, Mary Jane doesn't necessarily have to be white. Like, no, you know what I mean? not at all. Not and I know, we, I know we disagree that on Peter Parker, but with Peter Parker, I think it's the visual of actually seeing a white male who doesn't struggle. Like, he also makes it a point to talk about Tony Stark. I was like, yeah, no, it wasn't Tony Stark, it was Hawkeye. Hawkeye was like, he was cracking because Spider-Man was like, no, we're not going to go kill Norman Osborn. And he goes, well, if you would have killed him, he goes, no, your problem is you spend all this time getting spa dates from Tony Stark that now you have to understand what it's like to be me for this, for all this time. And granted, that is a very black thing to say, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I kind of feel that it hits a little different when it's a white guy who's actually like admitting to the actual privilege that goes on. I think Namor needs to not be white. I don't think you can make him white. I think Dwayne Johnson should have been playing Namor. No, absolutely not. What? Yeah. I could not take Namor seriously if The Rock was playing him. (laughs) You can take him serious as Black Adam? Yes, because I don't care about DC movies because they're terrible. (laughs) So whatever they're going to do, who cares? I don't want him coming into the MCU being Namor. You kidding me? I can't take that serious. You know what? I got I got the perfect topic for the next for the next podcast we're gonna do. Keep going because I I have a really good one, but um, I just don't I don't. There's certain, okay. Here's a perfect example of a character who I think absolutely has to stay white. And when I say this name, I'm not speaking of Captain America. I'm speaking of Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. Yeah, Steve Rogers has to be white. Yes. And if you're not making Steve Rogers a white male, I'm perfectly happy in the alternate reality where they made Peggy Carter Captain America. I think that well, anybody can be Captain America, but Steve Rogers has to be white. Yes. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's he has this privilege. He could be anywhere else in the world. He could feel however he wants, but he always speaks up and fights for the people who need to be fought for. Also, you know John I mean? Walker has to be white. That oh, dude, fuck that. Oh, God, yes. Yes, you can't have a black redneck Captain America. He, or Hispanic or Asian. Like, he's got to be a white redneck dude. Like, that is a that is U.S. agent. Has to be. Oh, God, yes. And it's funny. I didn't know about U.S. agent until I knew who he was, but I didn't know of, I didn't know who he was specifically but I knew of him, and then the more I learned about, like, dear God, you are, <laughs> you are, you are Confederate Captain America. Yes, 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 that's exactly who he is. <clears throat> yes, a hundred percent. 
Um, but yeah, man. Um, thank Reed you. Richards. That was your big one. Oh yeah, my big one is I want Reed Richards to be Oscar Isaac. Um, I can see why somebody would want Reed Richards to be white because I mean Reed is a dick, but uh, I don't think he necessarily has to be. Um, you can anybody can be a super so smart person that you're aloof, which is essentially Reed Richards. Reed Richards' gimmick is that he's so fucking smart that he's just aloof to certain things or dis or um not aloof but um just like not aware just above like there's just things that he doesn't see or affects him because he's so fucking smart uh and that could yeah. be anybody i agree um fuck i had a really good one too um i'm i'm okay with <laughs> you know what's funny i think i'd rather a black ben Graham. Yeah, you could do black Ben Grimm. That was that would be fun. I don't even think you know what's funny. I don't even think Ben Grimm has to be black. I think Ben Grimm has to. He has to be a person who he just has to be a curmudgeon. <laughs> I don't even know if he has to be a well. He has to play a curmudgeon, but I feel like Ben Grimm should understand what it's like to be judged specifically because of how you look. So if we had a black Mexican. Muslim, uh, Puerto Rican, African, like Ben Grimm, who was like this all-American like football player who was beloved because of that and then immediately wasn't loved anymore because they couldn't play the sport that like white America loved. I think that hits a little different. I agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah, old man, thank you for coming on and doing this with me. Um, yes, sir. I love when we get to kick it and talk some shit. Um, tell the people uh, where they can find your show and what you got out currently. All right, that's a so you can find me at oldmanwade.com, O L D M A N W A D E C O M on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I spend a lot of time bitching and complaining about everything in the world. Um, I start talking about on this is on Twitter. I start talking about the comic books I'm reading. Uh, I do a lot of talking about depression and stuff like that. So if anyone has these issues, uh, let you you'll see a lot of tweets from me talking about how I'm not alone. You're not alone, excuse me. But I also do a lot of positive stuff, like hey, but I'm still alive. I still have a job. I'm still happy, and I'm still I'm still going. I do a more recently. I've done a lot of comic book talk because I spent the last month and a half reading nothing but Daredevil, and that is, <laughs> that was that was a really wild ride. And if you have mental um, if you suffer from any mental illness, uh, Daredevil is a really good ride because it really shows you what it can be like. It shows you all aspects of it from like it being outward and inward, um, how it affects the people around you, how it affects you internally. It's such an amazing read. And I'm happy that I actually spent so much time reading it and catching up with everything. Uh, you can find me at the Old Man Wade Show. We are almost everywhere you can find a podcast. So if you, whatever podcast platform you listen to or view your podcast on, just type in the Old Man Wade Show and you'll find me. We're on YouTube. There isn't any video, but if you're only a YouTube person, you can just like kind of play it in the background. The episode will play. Uh, the last episode that's on there now is called, I'm sure you can um, buy that at McDonald's. We um, start talking about Terry Crews being a giant... Uh, being the cooniest of all coons. <laughs> uh, we discuss, and then we get into a couple of movies, um, and that's fine. But um, 
the next episode I have coming out is with a dude who, a comic book writer who wrote a, a book about uh, the crack epidemic in the 80s and how the Reagans played a giant part in that. And some of it is urban legend, but a lot of it is actual fact, how like they put three different people um, on trial for something. The white guy got off with uh, time served. And then you have the two, one black male and one person of um, South or Central American descent who got uh, 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was cool talking to him. We got into a lot of uh, really socially conscious issues uh, being super woke should be recording soon. It's just like our schedules have been wonky. Uh, I'm actually about to record something with Brandon, hopefully, and I can't wait to hear how angry he gets with these topics. <laughs> but um, that's where you can find me, man. We come in and we do our thing. Appreciate that. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Devin, Mike, and uh, myself and Rashani will actually be back later this week uh, for episode our normal week's episode, so check that out. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Old Man Wade Show. Make sure you subscribe to us anywhere you get your podcast at. And we'll be talking to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Peace.